You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Fantasy football season right around the corner, and there's a bunch of questions. If you've got questions, we've got answers. Do not miss the Locked On Fantasy Live, Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live, or you can submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. Today is Wednesday, August 18th, and we are now 83 days away from Gonzaga's home opener against Dixie State. And the number 83 has special significance for one and only Mark Few, because 83 is his current winning percentage as head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Coach Few has now been at the helm for a whopping 755 games in Spokane, and he's won a ridiculous 630 of them which makes his winning percentage 83%. And of course, that is the best in college basketball history. And right now with the way that Gonzaga is trending, the way that they're recruiting, uh, I don't know how many years Mark Few has left, but I highly doubt that he retires without that record in hand. So shout out to Coach Few and all the coaches that he's worked with throughout the last 22 years, everything that they have built here at Gonzaga and in Spokane for the basketball community. Find out tomorrow. What the number 82 has in store for us as we continue our countdown to the start of college basketball season. Okay, today on the show, we are looking back on the 2011 Gonzaga Bulldogs who needed to win the WCC tournament to keep the NCAA tournament streak alive. One of the few seasons where that streak was in legitimate jeopardy, but of course they pulled it out by the skin of their teeth thanks to a very unlikely hero in the WCC tournament. We will also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Anna Verjogi, Gonzaga's 6'5 senior forward. Before we get to that, of course, some news and notes from Tuesday, and we will start with the end of the NBA Summer League. Three Zags wrapped up their Summer League play on Tuesday, and let's start with Joel Yai. The Lakers beat the Warriors 84-76. Joel Yai, of course, did start again for the Lakers, played 22 minutes, went 2-for-3 from the field, had three assists, two rebounds. Uh, and a steal. So in five games in Las Vegas, Joel Yai averaged 21 minutes. He scored 4.8 points, had three rebounds, two and a half assists on 43.5% shooting. So uh, like I've said before, Summer League is not the best showcase of Joel Yai's talents because Summer League is more of a league of one-on-one individual play, and that's not necessarily what Joel Yai is. He's not a primary creator who's going to score 25 points a night like a lot of these guys are trying to do. He works really well in a system uh, full of cutting and off-ball movement, and when superstars have the ball and they get doubled or a lot of attention is on them, Joel Yai makes his money uh, by getting open and finding ways to get the basketball. And I think that's you know a, a spot for him in Los Angeles when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are surrounding him. And all the attention around those two guys, and now Russell Westbrook, um, I think Joel Yai can actually do really well there. It's just a matter of putting him in that system as opposed to a summer league system where he can actually showcase his talents. Of course, he is on a two-way contract, so he should see some time as well in the G League uh, for Los Angeles as well this season. So we'll see 
what happens with Joel Yai's NBA career. But a decent showing, uh, two good games, a couple nondescript games, and we'll see what happens here in the future with Joel Yai in Los Angeles Lakers. Two other guys, one is Jonathan Williams the third. He is a summer league champion. Sacramento Kings went 5-0, and beat the Boston Celtics for the summer league championship on Tuesday night. Jonathan Williams got some run at the very end of the game with the game well in hand. Played for four minutes, made a basket, picked up a rebound. Uh, that's pretty much what he did throughout the summer league as he would play three or four minutes at the end of games or at the end of a quarter. Uh, I don't expect him to catch on with an NBA roster, but you never know. Uh, but Jonathan Williams should make uh, plenty of money and have a nice career overseas. And speaking of which, Philip Petrushev is heading back overseas. He did not play in the final game for the Philadelphia 76ers Summer League team. Instead, he is off to Turkey. He has signed a one-year contract with a professional team in Istanbul. Uh, Petrushev averaged 17 minutes in his uh, few Summer League games for the 76ers at 4.3 points, 2.8 rebounds, and two blocks uh, in Las Vegas. He was 7 for 19 on field goal attempts, and now he's off to Turkey. And the 76ers still own the rights to him. And this is pretty much what everybody expected after they drafted him in the second round is he was eligible to be stashed overseas and play a year or two over there. And then, uh, you know, if he's good enough and strong enough and the 76ers think that he's worthy of a roster spot back in the United States, uh, the 76ers can bring him back in a year or two and have him fight for a roster spot in the NBA. So that's exactly what's going to happen. Phil Petrushev off to play in Istanbul, Turkey. Okay, one other thing I want to mention, and it has to do with BYU. It looks like BYU is going to face Oregon in the non-conference this season. Oregon expected to be a top 15 team in the preseason polls. So that is a really, really good uh, matchup uh, for BYU's non-conference strength of schedule. And they've got a solid slate of games in their non-conference. They're going to play San Diego State at home. They're going to play Utah State at home. They're going to play Utah on the road, Weber State on the road, and then they've got neutral site games against Creighton uh, at uh, Sioux Falls in South Dakota, and then they're going to play Oregon in Portland. And then, of course, they're going to play in the Diamond Head Classic. Um, So a decent non-conference, shaping up to be at least. If they can get one more good game on there and then take care of business with all of their bye games and take care of San Diego State at home, and then pick up one, you know, marquee win, whether it's Creighton or Oregon or at Utah. Um, you know, that's enough to get them, um, you know, probably a top eight seed in the NCAA tournament, assuming they do well in the West Coast Conference. So shout out to BYU for a very strong non-conference slate. Okay, that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2011 Gonzaga Bulldogs and a senior year Stephen Gray. But it wasn't him. It was an unlikely hero who kept the NCAA tournament streak alive with a shocking WCC tournament performance. We'll break it all down here in just a minute. Before we do, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com hey did you know 85 percent of people who play daily fantasy sports lose but is it really that surprising the game is rigged against you you're playing against thousands of other lineups not to mention experts who have more tools and more time you don't stand a chance introducing stat hero it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach here's how it works stat hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup you name the stakes winner take all you have the advantage stat hero is literally showing you their lineups ahead of time nobody else does that stat hero gives you multi-day fantasy survivor contests all sports all year long so go to stathero.com locked on sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play they are giving you a 300 percent match that is unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. So the 2011 Gonzaga Bulldogs roster loses their superstar from the year before in WCC Player of the Year, Matt Bolden. And to be honest with you, this is probably on paper the worst roster of the Mark Few era. Um, you can put it up there with the 2017 post Morrison, but I think I like that team a little bit better than this team just because it had a better point guard in Derek Rivio. And this team necessarily didn't necessarily, I should say, have a great point guard. Stephen Gray was a fantastic player and we'll talk about him, but he was much more of an off guard, I would say, than he was as a pure point guard. So they get Stephen Gray as a senior. They get Robert Sacre as a junior. Elias Harris luckily comes back for his freshman or for his sophomore season after a breakout freshman year. And if it weren't for him coming back as a freshman, I have no idea what this team would have looked like. Then they get Marquise Carter coming in um, as a junior college transfer and a large uh, freshman class of Sam Dower uh, coming in, David Stockton, and then they bring in two international players in Matisse Merninghoff and Matisse Kaida. But this whole team is really Stephen Gray, Robert Sacre, and Elias Harris. So the only guys on the team that averaged more than eight points. I think it's their weakest roster because of the lack of depth that they really had. Marquise Carter and Dimitri Goodson were good players. And obviously we'll talk about Carter uh, here in a minute. But they weren't really scorers. Sam Dower was still learning as a freshman. Of course, he turned out to be a fantastic player uh, by his junior and senior seasons. Sophomore year, Kelly Olenek. Um, you could tell that he was still very raw. And then, of course, the next year is when he had a redshirt season. So there are just a lot of pieces that were just not quite starter caliber um, Gonzaga players. You know, they were good role players, uh, but they they definitely needed more than just Stephen Gray, Robert Sacre, and Elias Harris, especially on the perimeter. So let's talk about the season itself. They start the season ranked 12th in the country in the preseason polls, and that ranking was based 100% on reputation they go on to lose in the third game of the season at home to san diego state and that is the Kawhi leonard billy white game Kawhi leonard comes in from san diego state scores 18 points has 12 rebounds but it's billy white who was unbelievable and could not be stopped for the aztecs he was 14 for 18 from the field he scored 30 points he had nine rebounds stephen gray did everything he could in this game i believe I want to say it's still up on YouTube, but it gets played all the time, it feels like, on ESPNU as a classic game. 
Um, but Stephen Gray had 35 points and five assists. He was fantastic for Gonzaga. Really the only reason that they had any chance in this game. Robert Sacre added 13 points. But it was interesting, Gonzaga, to start this season in 2010, their starting lineup had Robert Sacre, Elias Harris, and Kelly Olenek. They started all three big guys um, at the start of the season. And they realized that probably wasn't the best thing to do. Uh, and eventually they threw another guard in there instead of Kelly Olenek. So if you're looking at the 2021-22 roster, this one coming up, it's not unheard of that Gonzaga plays three big guys to start a season. So if you're looking for a reason to start all of Anton Watson, Chet Holmgren, Andrew Timmy all at once, you can look back at this 2011 roster 10 years earlier when they started Kelly Olenek, Elias Harris, and Robert Sacre, all three big guys all at the same time at the start of this season. So they lose to San Diego State, and then their very next game they lose uh, against Kansas State, who was ranked top five in the country at the time. They'd win a couple games um, over Eastern Washington, Marquette, but then they lose three straight. They lose at Battle in Seattle against Illinois. They lose at Washington State to uh, the Clay Thompson-led Cougars, 81-59. to And then they lose at Notre Dame. So they go on a three-game losing streak. Of course, they fall out of the polls, and they would never return to those polls uh, the rest of the season. But then a week later, they would rebound, and they would beat ninth-ranked Baylor. Of course, Baylor went on to miss the NCAA tournament, so the win was not as huge as it felt as at the time, I should say. But still, it was a win that kind of jump-started Gonzaga's season. At the time, they were 4-5, and five, which I want to say, I haven't gone back and looked, but I'm going to say 4-5 and five is the only time Gonzaga probably had a losing record 10 games or more into the season. So they beat Baylor, and then they go on, and they win nine straight games over some pretty decent teams, too. They beat Xavier at home. They beat Oklahoma State at home. They go on to beat Wake Forest on the road, and then they win their first three WCC games. So at that point, Gonzaga, on a nine-game winning streak, things are starting to turn around a little bit. They're trying to you know, figure out exactly who they are. They're shuffling the starting lineup a little bit. But then they go on to lose three more games in a row, including another game in overtime at War Memorial, the Hilltop at San Francisco. Some throwback names for you for the San Francisco team. Angelo Calario, Cody Doolin, Paris Blackwell, Rashad Green, all those names you guys might remember for those that have been around this program for the last 10 to 15 years. And then the St. Mary's game at home uh, the very next week. St. Mary's wins 73-71. to And it's that dang Mickey McConnell who hits a little up and under floater with a second to go to beat Gonzaga on their home floor, 73 to 71. The bench storms the floor. Mickey McConnell, 27 points on 10 of 17 shooting to go along with six assists. Matthew Delvadova, 15 points and five assists. And big Rob Jones with 15 points and 13 rebounds. St. Mary's at the time was unstoppable. They're 18 and three that season to start the year. But after they beat Gonzaga, they end up struggling at the end of the season. They lose a game at Portland, and then they lose three out of their last four regular season games. They lose at San Diego, they lose at home to Utah State, and then they lose at McKeon Pavilion to Gonzaga. So Gonzaga and St. Mary split the regular season, uh, and they eat, they both beat each other on each other's home floors, which basically meant that the WCC Championship, if we flash forward Uh, about a month and a half, the WCC championship between Gonzaga and St. Mary's in March of 2011 was essentially 
a spot uh, in the NCAA tournament on the line. The winner was going to go to the NCAA tournament. The loser, in all likelihood, was going to be out of the tournament altogether. And that's exactly what happened. To get to that game, Gonzaga beat San Francisco by the skin of their teeth, 71-67. to And this started the legend of Marquise Carter. Marquise Carter averaged six points a game for Gonzaga in the 2011 season. And then the next year, he averaged three and a half points a game. He was never really a scorer. But in the semifinals against San Francisco, he put up 18 points, had a three steals. He was 10 for 12 from the line, was the most aggressive that he's ever played. And then in the WCC championship game, Gonzaga beat St. Mary's to move on to the NCAA tournament 75 to 63. It was back and forth for the good majority of 35 minutes before Gonzaga uh, kind of hunkered down and got a bunch of stops defensively at the end of the game and was able to hold off the Gales. They win 75 to 63. And again, it's Marquise Carter who leads the way for Gonzaga. 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Uh, Stephen Gray added 15. Uh, Rob Sacre had 12 points and eight rebounds and four blocks. But it was Marquise Carter who was named the WCC most outstanding player in the tournament for his efforts in those two games. A career night against San Francisco and another double-figure performance with four rebounds and two assists against St. Mary. So Gonzaga continues their tournament streak. They were absolutely not going to get in to the NCAA tournament without winning the WCC. They lost nine games in the regular season, which is the second most in the Mark Few era. Their adjusted offensive efficiency was the worst of all 22 teams of the Mark Few era. Their effective field goal percentage was second worst of any team in the Mark Fiera. They just was not a great Gonzaga team, uh, but they did just enough and they gutted out a WCC championship and continued the NCAA tournament streak in large part thanks to one Marquise Carter. So they're given a number 11 seed and they go on to face St. John's in the NCAA tournament. And St. John's was one of those teams who was good at the start of the year and then kind of suffered some some losses in the middle, but then got extremely, extremely hot at the end of the season. And it was one of those teams who was, you know, in that four to six seed range, which a lot of, um, you know, experts said, hey, look out for this team. They could be a potential Elite Eight Dark Horse type team. That's what St. John's was this year. Uh, they won 10 of their final 13 games leading into the NCAA tournament. But of course, Gonzaga beats them and they beat them handily 86 to 71 and wouldn't you know it it's Marquise Carter again in the first round of the NCAA tournament puts up a career high 24 points six rebounds six assists two steals an out-of-body experience for Marquise Carter who was just unbelievable for Gonzaga for three games in that season. Stephen Gray added 16, Elias Harris with 15. Gonzaga moves on to the second round. And of course, then Jimmer Fredette happened. We don't need to talk about Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette was basically uh, Steph Curry, part two. Scored 34 points, six assists. Gonzaga loses to BYU 89 to 67. And that ends the career of Stephen Gray. First team, all WCC. In 2011, averaged 13.9 points, 3.9 rebounds, 4 assists. He was Gonzaga's best overall player in this 2011 season. Robert Sacre with 12.5 points, 6 rebounds. Elias Harris with 12.5 points and 6 rebounds. Very similar stat lines for those two big men. Sam Dower, 7.5 points, 3.5 rebounds off the bench. And then, of course, there's Marquise Carter, 
who we just talked about the last couple of minutes, had three unbelievable games in the postseason and goes down in Gonzaga history uh, as a postseason hero, despite having just okay regular season numbers. I mentioned earlier that Gonzaga was just trying to figure out exactly who they were. They didn't have great perimeter players, but they had some you know, two decent big guys in Robert Sacre and Elias Harris. So they were trying to figure out all season exactly what they wanted to do offensively. And a lot of what they did when they absolutely needed a basket is they would just run floppy action for Stephen Gray, which essentially means he would have one pin down screen on one side and a double pin down from the other side. And he would set his man up, come off of either one of those sides that he would choose, and then he would kind of play off of that. So that's what they wanted to do with Stephen Gray a lot. And then they had a lot of high-low action with Elias Harris and Rob Sacre. Uh, Elias Harris was really good from attacking at that top of the key perimeter spot. If the defense was sagging off and trying to prevent Rob Sacre from getting the ball to the post, Elias Harris had enough shooting ability to, to catch and shoot and pop a shot from the top of the key as well. So that was kind of their offense in 2011 was a lot of isolation stuff to get Stephen Gray the ball in spots that he excelled and then a lot of high-low action with Robert Sacre and Elias Harris with Elias Harris at the top of the key either shooting the ball passing it inside to Sacre or attacking off the bounce and after the 2010 and 2011 seasons it kind of felt like a danger zone for Gonzaga and for Gonzaga fans where the team you know, had this run in 2009 where they were really good and then they lost everybody. And then they lose Matt Bolden and then they lose Stephen Gray. And you're kind of just looking around and you're like, I don't know if we kind of just have plateaued. Like, what's the future of Gonzaga basketball? Are we just now just a decent mid-major team who's going to make the tournament, win a game and exit um, before the second weekend? Like, what's the future for Gonzaga? We weren't really sure. And then Kevin Pangos comes in Gary Bell comes in, and the future of Gonzaga is changed forever, and we'll start that conversation tomorrow with a look at the 2012 Gonzaga Bulldogs. That's it for today's look back. Coming up to finish the show, we are talking about Anna Verjogi. She's six foot five. She's now a senior. She's a fantastic shot blocker, but how can she take on a larger role this season? We'll discuss that to finish today's show. Before we do, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. Football season is right around the corner, so it is the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Anna Maria Verjogi. She has had a very similar role each of the last two seasons at Gonzaga. She's basically been the fourth or the fifth big in the rotation, and she's played somewhere between eight and ten minutes or so um, in most games. As a sophomore, she played 29 games. She averaged 7.7 minutes. This past season, she played 23 games, averaged 8.3 minutes. She was second on the team in blocks this past year with 16, and she got plenty of offensive rebounds. And that's pretty much what her role has been, and it's been pretty consistent. It's to provide defense and rebound the ball. 
Now, as she enters her fourth year in the program, it would be great if she could add a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. So her path to playing time is to become more efficient at the rim. As a sophomore, she shot 28% from the field. Last year, that jumped up to 36%, but she's never really been a great scorer. She's averaged less than two points a game each of the last two seasons, but she's averaging at least two shot attempts a night, and basically all of them are right at the rim. So if she can get that shooting percentage into the mid-40s or even close to 50, that essentially gives Gonzaga a couple of extra points every single game. And, you know, in tight games, that could be the difference between a win or a loss. Or at the very least, that extra basket can, you know, kind of kickstart some momentum throughout a game. She doesn't really have the offensive repertoire to score 10 points a night. But with Jen and Leanne Worth both graduated, Gonzaga is going to need players to step up in the front court and replace that production. So if Anna Verjogi can jump from two points a game to four points a game, that would be a huge help. It doesn't really seem like it's much, but getting double the production from your fourth forward who plays you know, anywhere between eight and 10 minutes a night, that's a massive, massive deal. So that should be the goal and the path to playing time for Anna Verjogi. Double the offensive production by becoming more efficient at the rim. If she does that, and she keeps up her defensive and rebounding abilities, she is going to be a very, very solid role player for this Gonzaga squad. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow morning, and we're going to preview some other Gonzaga fall sports because Gonzaga soccer and Gonzaga volleyball are both starting up here in the matter of days, so I want to give them a little bit of love. So we'll do that uh, to start tomorrow's show. We're also going to look back at the 2012 Gonzaga Bulldogs and the arrival of Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell Jr. We'll also finish the show talking about Martinez Arlauskas. Some people thought he was going to transfer this offseason. He did not. He is still with the program. But is there really any way that he can sneak into the rotation with all the other guards that have arrived over the last few months? We will answer that tomorrow on the show. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite pick, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, please rate and subscribe to this podcast, Locked on Zags. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.